Welcome to Indie Piece, an in-depth look at the independently developed video games that we call masterpieces. Presented by OK Beast, I'm your host, Blessing Adioye. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Indie Piece. Indie Piece is a podcast series dedicated towards celebrating the independently created video games that we hail as masterpieces of the medium. Every episode, we take a look at a different indie game, deconstruct it, and analyze what makes it a work of art and stand out among the rest. On this podcast, we'll be taking a look at indie side-scrollers, walking sims, physics games, and games that have broken the mold of the medium. Season 1, we've taken a look at games such as Undertale, Cuphead, and Hellblade's newest Sacrifice. We've got a couple more to go. This episode, we're discussing... witness i'm your host blessing at Ioye. joining me we have cassidy sergeant uh Hello. aka at sergeant cass of uh awkward pause cass how's it going doing well thanks for having me i didn't ask, you asked me this for the podcast but i didn't ask you this uh do you prefer cass or cassidy honestly either one's totally fine awesome uh how you doing man i'm doing great i'm excited to talk about the witness yeah dude i'm hyped too because I, ha- I haven't played this game since uh when it came out so like january 2016 uh, and I played a little bit before this podcast, and I forgot like how much I act- I actually like really love this game. What a game! Um, it's it's incredible. Um, speaking of incredible, also joining us we have Matthew Finneman, uh, aka uh, or I guess aka Finn, um, as known uh, from the Super Deformed Games cast and the Nola Nerd cast. Uh, Finn, how's it going? It's going great. Wait, did you say this is about the witness? I thought we were talking Call of Duty. Am I on the wrong? Oh show? shoot! Yeah, mm. no, I I forgot. I I originally reached out to you uh, for the AAA piece. Cast. Oh man, oh, this what, is indie what, piece. What an embarrassing blunder. Yeah, but no, uh, no, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me be part of this, dude. Thank you for joining me. So, for people uh, who may not know you guys, real quick, uh, Cass, what do you do? Where might people know you from? Uh, you may know me uh, from, uh, we do a podcast called Awkward Pause. You can find us on Twitter at Pause uh, and our gaming sub-brand, uh, Gone Gold. So, lifestyle, Awkward Pause, gaming, Gone Gold, uh, just me and a couple of guys having a good time. Awesome. Uh, Finn, what about you? So, I uh, started off on the NOLA Nerdcast, which uh, this may shock you, is a show from New Orleans, Louisiana, hence the NOLA and I have since become a member of the SDGC, which is just a, another great gaming podcast on the interwebs. And we showcase all kinds of fun stuff. And I just love being a part of it. Nice. And people may be familiar with SDGC if they're familiar with either uh, Rebecca Valentine from GamesIndustry.biz or uh, 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 Mr. Megative, uh, who's, been, who's done like freelance stuff and also has been on Kind of Funny Games Daily, along Correct. with Re- Rebecca. Uh, and you guys have been have been growing and have been uh, getting more and more popular as the days have gone. So, of course, we should check out SDGC if they get a chance. Um, and they can also follow uh, Finn on Twitter at Nola Nerdcast. Yes, and I'm uh, not saying that the reason we've grown is because I joined. I'm just saying we have yeah. gotten mm. bigger since I you joined. Know, it's just a bit. It's just a big factor. It's not the only factor, but it's just a, it's just the biggest one. Exactly. I mean, you know. So coming into this podcast, uh, what are your guys's story slash your feelings on the witness uh cast i'm gonna start with you the witness so i always wonder why more people don't talk about the witness because to me the witness is is among the great games in the last five or so years mm-hmm. and it has its supporters certainly and i know that people talk about it um you know when it comes to like it got a no clip documentary which was great yep and people talk about it in sort of like the mystery of modern games and an example of sort of what indie gaming can be but i'm surprised it just doesn't have this crazy zeitgeist around it so i i love this game uh, i will staunchly be a, a supporter and defender of the witness uh, until the day i die dude i i completely agree with you like uh, the witness thinking back uh, i remember how into the witness i was and then uh, in pre- preparation for this podcast, I started like listening to various pieces of content about the witness, uh, and I was listening to uh, the Giant Bombcast mm, episode mm-hmm. from like January 2016, so I could get a feel for like how the conversation was going when the witness is coming out, and like people were going crazy about it, like people were all about it, uh, like that like week in that month, and like legit people were talking about it like 
out of obsession and out of like it seemed like the game was making people actually go crazy uh like (laughs) drawing stuff in notebooks like being obsessed like seeing lines in their sleep and seeing lines in real life and like people kind of got super into the game uh and i've not seen like people kind of like be super into a game and then kind of forget the game exists (laughs) like this one because it feels like all of a sudden uh like 20 like the next year hit and maybe it's just like been uh because the deluge of games such as like breath of the wild followed by like mario and like uh, a bunch of different games i think overwatch might have been that year um and uh i think inside was that year too so like so like just a bunch of different games came out maybe that's kind of made people forget a little bit about how great the witness is but like that game was great when it came out and people like were really all about it I, I think that plays a part, and and I think we have our work cut out for us, honestly, because I think it's also a very difficult game to talk about. It and is. And to say, hey, this game is great because, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z. Um, when you hit, it's basically a game about line puzzles, like, a lot of people will immediately tune out. Yeah. yeah. No, that's for sure. Like, you don't have, like, characters to connect with it or, like, music to connect with it necessarily or, like, moments and things like that. It's essentially, like, if you say The Witness, people are used, people who haven't played The Witness are going to be like, oh, yeah, the game with the line puzzles. And I guess yeah. people who have played The Witness would also say the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, the game with the line puzzles. Well, They're it's not wrong. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's a, almost the epitome of a game that if, if you haven't played it, it's kind of hard to describe it. But yeah. once you've experienced it, you get it. No, exactly. So, Matt, for you, like, what are your feelings into uh, coming into this podcast about the witness? All right. So, I feel like you know you were briefly touching on the people that were kind of obsessed about it, but I remember distinctly during the entirety of the the PlayStation Four reveal conference, which oh, yeah. is when they first showed the witness, mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, that I am very much into this." And then that three year wait was just painful. It was, and every delay, and then it finally came out, and. Boy, that was just a month of just obsession about line puzzles and pouring over the internet on forums, talking to my friends, like sharing what we've discovered because there's so much more to the game than just the line puzzles. And I think one of the coolest things about it was that so much of the game never leaked out ahead of time. People went into this game with a certain perspective and so much changed once you actually got your hands on it. It was... uh, I, I still love it. And like you said, it people don't talk about it much anymore, but I think that's just indicative of the genre. Uh, very few puzzle games survive the cultural zeitgeist in the sense that people still bring it up. I mean, when you talk about the genre, people will bring up The uh, the Witness. I think it's this generation's missed. Um, but I, it deserves to be talked about more. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah I like I 100%. Uh, agree and i remember like the lead up to it and watching the i believe it was the playstation reveal uh like playstation 4 uh i think i can't i can't bet money on that but it was either that or maybe the uh ps4 like e3 uh in like 2013 or so or it was at least very early in the ps4 cycle uh where like i remember seeing the witness and being like okay that's one of the games that i'm like looking forward to that's gonna come out it's that's gonna be a great launch title when it comes out and it was like three years later or whatever when it finally right uh, came out um but yeah every time i saw that game i was very interested in it especially as somebody who's like who was obsessed about obsessed with a uh, portal and also loved like uh walking sims like gone home and like puzzle games in general that was like a game where i was like that seems to be something i can get into mm-hmm. uh so if you're unfamiliar uh, let's get into some game facts. So, um, The Witness was developed by Thecla Inc. Uh, with the direction of Jonathan Blow. Uh, and you may ask, who is Jonathan Blow? Jonathan Blow is an American game designer and programmer who is best known as the creator of the independent video games Braid uh, from 2008 and The Witness from 2016, both of which were released to critical acclaim. Uh, from 2001 to 2004, Blow wrote the inner product column uh, for D- Game Developer Magazine. He was the primary host of the Experimental Gameplay Workshop each March at the, at, uh, the Game Developers Conference, KGDC. Uh, which has become a premier showcase for new ideas in video games. In addition, Blow was a regular participant in the Indie Game Jam. Uh, Blow is also a founding partner of the of the Indie Fund, uh, an angel investor fund for independent game projects. In December 2004, feeling inspired during a during a trip to uh, in Thailand, Blow made a prototype for a time manipulation puzzle platformer game. The demo had crude f- crude graphics, but featured the ability of the player to rewind all the objects on screen backwards in time to a previous state. Encouraged by feedback from his p- 
appears, uh, Blow worked on the game from about April 2005 to about December uh, that year before having the final prototype of his game titled Braid. This version won the Independent Games Festival Game Design Award at 2006 or at the 2006 Game Developers Conference. He continued work on the game, mostly focusing on art and music while polishing some of the de- design until its release in 2008 on Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, by then, uh, Blow was $40,000 in debt and had invested $200,000 or $200,000 into the game's development. Uh, the game was released on August 8th, 2008 to critical acclaim and achieved financial success, receiving an aggregate score of 93% on Metacritic, making it the top-rated Xbox Live arcade game. Braid was purchased by more than 55,000 people during the first week of release. Blow recalled that he did not receive any money until day one, or until one day uh, he saw a, a lot of zeros in his bank account. In 2009, Blow announced uh, The Witness and following created the Thecla Inc. team uh, for the development and publication of the game. Have, have either of you guys played Braid? Oh, yeah. Yes. I've actually not played that much of it. And I played it for the first time, I want to say last year. But I only played like the first hour because it was like on Xbox Game Pass and it finally gave me an excuse to play the game. What, quick impressions on, on Braid. Cass, I'm going to start with you. What, what were your feelings on Braid? I got to be honest, I really like Braid as well. Yeah. Um, it, I, I still think it's worth the time to go back. It's not a particularly long game. It has a pretty clearly defined concept that they, they build on as you go. There There is a narrative. There's even a nice twist in the game. Like th- There's actually a lot going on in that game. Interesting. Finn, how do you feel about it? I mean, it was one of the first indie games with the twist. Like mm-hmm. it, That twist is one of the uh, its iconic moments. And what I think is really fascinating is that Blow has now been on the forefront of two generations worth of indie styles because Mm. Braid was one of the first games to make indie gaming a huge endeavor on console. It was like Braid and Limbo and some other stuff. And then The Witness was literally the first indie game announced for the PS4's next gen. So good for him. I I just realized that thinking about that, like Braid is one of the godfathers of console indie gaming. Yeah, it's like that and like Limbo, and I'm sure there's like other early ones that I, that can come to mind. But like your Castle I, Crashers and that yeah, kind of thing. Castle yeah. Crashers. Um, and yeah, like Braid, I remember being like a uh, like a small phenomenon. Uh, I remember there was like a thing where like Soldier Boy was really into Braid. Soldier Boy loves Braid. <laughs> yeah, which was like a wild kind of concept to like even think of. Even today, like thinking back, I'm like that's kind of a weird thing that Soldier Boy was super into Braid. Um, but yeah, even as somebody who hasn't played Braid, uh, or hasn't played much of Braid, um, the game seems like from, I mean, from just the concept alone of like rewinding time and seeing videos of people solving puzzles with it seems out of this world, uh, especially for the time it came out in, uh, having not that many games of its ilk come out around that time. I think, um, that was 2008. Um, so yeah, that's wild. It's crazy to think that now the genre of like indie platformer is so played out and, and mm-hmm. it's such a constant thing, but Back in 2008, it was revolutionary in the sense oh, yeah, that, exactly. like, that just wasn't around. Of all the communities available to us, there's not one I would want to devote myself to, except for the Society of True Searchers, which has very few living members at any time. Albert Einstein, 1924. So let's get into some plot and setup. Uh, and so usually for this podcast, I'll start with the plot. But Witness doesn't really have a plot, um, or at least like an explicit plot. Um, and we'll get to uh, get into that a little bit uh, in a sec. But I'm just going to start uh, with some setup for the game. So The Witness uh, is a first-person puzzle adventure game. The player, as an unnamed character, explores an island with numerous structures and natural formations. The island is roughly divided into 11 regions arranged around a mountain that represents the ultimate goal for the player. The regions are differentiated from one another by changes in vegetation, and the puzzles within each region are similar to one another, e.g. their solutions may all involve symmetry, for example. Throughout the island are yellow boxes housing turrets, Uh, These can be activated once the puzzles within the boxes uh, region have been solved. When activated, the turrets emerge to shine a light toward the top of the mountain, indicating that a section of the game is complete. Several several such turrets need to be activated to unlock access to the the inside of the mountain and ultimately reach the game's final goal. Uh, So The Witness features some very open-ended design. 
the game's op- the game opens up its world and allows players to tackle it at their own pace. So how does the openness of the witness affect how the game is played? Uh, Finn, I'm going to throw this question at you first. Okay. Uh, well, for me, I love how because it's so open, there is no hand-holding in the game at all. You are left to your own devices and the way the game leads you in certain paths without forcing you. Like, I believe... If I remember correctly, because it has been a couple of years, but when you start the game, you get to that first series of very simple puzzles that teach you how to play the game. Yeah. And then the very next puzzle is like way more complicated. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what to do. But logical <laughs> thinking and what you've been used to is you're supposed to do the next puzzle. And so you decide to wander around. And you realize that there's so many places you can go. Then you find the like i guess the best term is tutorial puzzles for that style of puzzle you finish those and realize oh wait now i know what to do and i just love the fact that the game encourages you to explore because just because you can't figure out something right now does not mean that you won't discover something later that'll give you the tools you need to succeed at the things that used to stump you and oh, yeah. th- the openness of that is really cool. And also, if you get stuck, you're not punished for it in the sense that you can't move forward. You can leave that section of the island in the forest or whatever and go over to the desert. And maybe those puzzles will kind of like give you that edge, give you the drive to keep going. And then you can return to the puzzle that was killing you earlier. But you don't get stuck in a sense that you can't progress further in the game. Yeah, like... So I literally just uh, played that whole beginning portion uh, of The Witness, like, right before this podcast to kind of, like, get a refresher of, like, how uh, how it plays, right? And, like, it drops you into the tunnel, I guess, and you, like, walk forward to the first door. And it is, like, a tutorial, right? Like, it shows you mm-hmm. a straight line, uh, and you do the puzzle mechanic. You, like, draw that straight line, uh, and it's puzzle solved. It's, like, the first puzzle you solve. And then you go to the next one, and it is a line and then, like, a line upwards, um and so you, you solve that one and you kind of learn like okay cool like i can like drawing lines is essentially like following the path okay cool you solve that one and you go outside and you like you're kind of caught in this like small garden uh area and you there are like maybe like five puzzles that you need to uh, solve in order to get out of that area um but they are all fairly simple i believe what they're all teaching those first uh tutorial puzzles all they're teaching is uh completing a path and so mm-hmm. like the in in witness all the puzzles or at least most of the puzzles i believe all of them start off with uh like a, a uh like a circle that you start in um and you're drawing the path and you're trying to get to like the nub to solve it uh in most cases and so all those beginning puzzles are just you like following a maze and trying to figure out like okay cool how do i get to the end of this maze and it's fairly easy it's fairly simple for the most part uh, and it's easy to understand. Then you get out of that puzzle. And then, yeah, like you said, the first puzzle you come across is super difficult. It's like that gif you see of, like, um, from, uh, what's the movie? Like, The Hangover or whatever? Or you see oh, um, yeah. Zach yeah. Galifianakis, yeah. like, doing, like, all the math and seeing all the pu- or all the numbers. You kind of, like, have that kind of moment where you see that super complicated puzzle. And you're like, what in the world is this? Like, this just went from zero to 100 real quick. Um, and then, like, you, I think most people will spend a second at it and be like, all right, I'm going to walk around more. Maybe there's there'll be another puzzle. And then, like, immediately you find some more, quote-unquote, tutorial puzzles that teach you the next concept, which is um, separation. This is going to sound really weird the way I'm going to say it, but, like, <laughs> separation of the colors. <laughs> and you, like, uh, essentially you have, like, the uh, puzzles where it's, you see you have black dots and white dots and uh, on the panel on certain spaces, and you're trying to make lines that separate the white blocks from the black bo- uh, black right the white dots from the black dots it's hard to say um uh and yeah like that's that's the next tutorial and you go through those one at a time um and they get tiny more more, uh tiny bit more complicated with each one that you solve but they're essentially like all setting you up so that you're able to comprehend like what you're going to uh get from this island um and yeah the openness allows allows you to like learn things at your own pace uh choose what you want to learn when and where uh, and sometimes you'll get to a place where you're like, I have no idea what this is. And you walk around more, um, and kind of get, uh, learn something else that might help you along with the puzzle you were, you were solving, or it might just like give you a clue into like what other things you can expect, uh, from the Island. Uh, Cass, what are your, what are your sort of thoughts on the openness of the witness in terms of like it's open world, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, speaking about what you guys were just talking, the, the specifically that first difficult puzzle that you find, I think, 
that's so smartly designed and when you find it from a design perspective, so mm-hmm. smart, because if if you go through 25, 30 puzzles and you know how to do all of them and you're just cooking, I think it's reasonable for you to start to expect I should be able to solve every puzzle I come across. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that like one of the first puzzles that you come across is something that you are not equipped with. I think it teaches you that lesson that it's OK to walk away from a panel. Yeah. Um, very early, which is yes. great because it's it's such a core concept to this. Um, and then additionally, you know, when you sort of work through your first set of puzzles and you get to, you know, sort of the capstone achievement of one of these one of these concepts and, uh, you know, you turn on the laser uh, which maybe we'll get to, but this whole mm. series of lasers around the island that all kind of shoot up to this mountain. When that happens, like there's no specific direction. Hey, you should probably go check out the mountain. But I think it is sort of natural that, okay, I just shot this laser at this device on top of this mountain. Maybe I should go explore a little bit. And that sort of softly introduces you to the various biomes and, and the fact that it's a pretty open island. You can reach most places from the second you step foot out there. Um, so while it is very open, I think it teaches you lessons that you need to know and lessons about the nature of the game world um, very smartly and very early on and without it feeling so deliberate. Yeah, no, for sure. And like the weird comparison I make with The Witness is that it kind of reminds me of old school 3D platformers like Banjo-Kazooie where like Essentially, and like this, or even like DK sixty four, because it's more this is more of a direct reference of like the game. Both the games take place on an island, right? But even like more so, um, the whole point of those games are that you're exploring and you're uh, solving solving these puzzles, sol- solving these obstacles in order to um, open up uh, the road for new ones and bigger ones and more difficult ones. Um, and the the witness, the way it's kind of structured, right? Like. The whole idea for the game of the game um, is that you're getting kind of a feel for the island and, and familiarizing yourself with the island and kind of un- unraveling and untangling all these complications kind of uh, um, slowly um, in a way that the openness of it uh, lends toward that satisfaction because you're kind of able to uh, tackle each problem at your own pace and at your own uh, at your own selection and kind of like be like okay cool I'm gonna solve five puzzles over here okay i'm stuck okay i'm really stuck i'm gonna come back to this i'm gonna go to the other side of the island to a puzzle that i was kind of making my way on and now that i now that my brain's rested on this particular uh, specific problem i can go over here and solve this thing over here and solving that thing might actually help you understand a puzzle that you were mm-hmm. having problems with like uh 30 minutes ago um and so being able to like kind of untangle things at your own own rate and own pace kind of uh i think is good for that and, and adds to more the satisfaction while playing um, a follow-up question. So uh, the game doesn't have a plot, uh, which we said earlier. Uh, and you play as like an unnamed character, and you have no idea uh, how you got to the island. Uh, there aren't really any characters that you meet. Um, what you see in the witness, even like from like watching the trailer, like right, like what you see is what you get uh, from the game. How do you guys feel about the choice for there to seemingly, uh, on the surface, um, be no plot in the game? Finn, I'm going to start with you. I think it works to the um, what's the opposite of detriment. It works to oh, yeah. to the benefit? advantage, the benefit yeah. of of the game. I think because as we just talked about with its open ended design, if there was a plot, then that inherently isn't open ended because you would have to funnel yourself through the plot. Mm. And also, this game doesn't doesn't need one you get the uh you have the audio books you have the videos you have all this supplemental stuff you can uncover if you look hard enough but at the end of the day the the zen nature of just solving puzzles and the 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 allure and the rush that you get when you finally tackle that tough uh puzzle is all you really need to enjoy this game i'm Mm. To me, at least. I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I believe a plot would kind of get in the way of it. It would it would give you stuff to do that isn't what the game is intended for. And if you but if you really wanted to search, there are things that you can find that if you wanted to do more than just solve the puzzles, it would be there for you. But mm-hmm. I like that, that they not they did not make an active choice to put a plot in it as an in, central part of the game 
So I haven't, I didn't replay enough uh, for this podcast to remember this, but do you guys remember exactly like what the audio tapes were or like kind of what the subject matter was? Oh, it, it depended. Like there okay. was a lot of them were just quotes from different philosophers and, gotcha. and scientists and stuff. I, I remember reading about it a couple years ago and the central theme is like truth and what truth means and how different people have ideas of truth and knowledge and just what is knowledge and a lot of philosophy involved in the game uh, when you delve into it, but no part of a central plot or storyline. Gotcha. Do you guys think it's fair to say that there that there's not a plot uh, in this game? And I'll actually throw this one to uh, Cass because I'm curious because you haven't uh, you haven't uh, spoken on the, to this yet. Um, uh, yeah, I I mean I think that's probably fair, right? When mm-hmm. when we think about a plot, we think about sort of like a, a beginning, middle, end. You know, something happens, and and, and the game. You know, I th- I think I agree with Finn that the game is better off not having a plot, like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the little breadcrumbs that they leave in the game. You know, they're they're the statues. They're sort of all of these frozen people littered across the island, and so that's very oh, yeah. weird. And and the laser at the top of the mountain is very odd. And it's there's a lot of natural scenery, and then there's some very industrial things sort of hidden yeah. away. So there are little breadcrumbs that something more is happening. It implies like a lot of mystery. Like it implies a ton of mystery. Yeah, because like obviously like people made all this stuff right like all the puzzles you're solving like obviously like either somebody or a god or whatever the game is implying like set all this stuff up because it's all electric like that was like the, the one of the first things i noticed uh while replaying i was like oh yeah like these are all wired like all these things are connected uh in a way and like the game very much implies that people were here also from like the statues and on all that stuff especially when you get into like the town kind of area um but it doesn't the game doesn't necessarily like or not that I remember, because I, I actually didn't originally beat the game. I got into, the, like, the, the volcano, and I got to, like, that ending portion. But I actually never finished it, because, like, um, I forgot exactly what it was. I forget I forget if it was, like, a game that came out, or if I just got super frustrated. Um, it might have been a similar thing with Cuphead, where, like, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't remember the game actually, like, explicitly being like, oh, yeah, this is why these statues are here. This is what is going on. This is why This is what the witness is. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm sort of two, of two minds with that, because I, I love all of that. I think it adds to the world. There is a part of me that wished that it did pay off a bit more. Um, it feels like it's standing in, in both spaces a little bit. Like, I, I like the fact that it's sort of just this, like, almost philosophical statement on, like, you know, the nature of knowledge and the mm-hmm. nature of perception. Like, perception is a huge game in, or a huge thing in this game. Oh, yeah. Um but they also sort of do try to have a, some traditional story nuggets with, you know, what has happened here. Um, and there's a part of me that wishes that they had come down a bit more on either side. But, you know, to me, this is still a, an incredible game. So I guess it worked. Mm-hmm. There is there is one audio log that I found that I ended up having to relook up on YouTube because I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy about what it said. I feel like it's an audio log created by the people that made the game. Like, I don't know if this is Hmm. meta fourth wall breaking or if we're supposed to be hearing the people that actually, like, designed the island for whoever you are. But they mention about how the puzzles are supposed to be uh, objects of contemplation and that it's all about focus and clarity. And they wanted the the island to be the opposite of drama because they said humanity has too much drama. This is supposed to be basically like a Zen garden of sorts. Interesting. I also feel like, in a way, the game is kind of a commentary on video game design and video games in general. Um, I remember when the game originally came out, uh, there being a quote from Jonathan Blow about uh, the nature of video games and like how essentially like you play a game like college. I, this is me like putting words in his mouth. I can't remember the exact quote, but I think the spirit of what he said was, "You play a game like Call of Duty, um, and Call of Duty like it paints." Uh, itself to be about war and guns and um uh, technology and all this stuff right like kind of it's different from call of duty to call of duty but like at the core like what call of duty is a video game about shooting um and that's pretty much it like a game about um aiming and shooting and racking up kills and all this stuff right uh and i want to say and i wish i like grabbed this quote verbatim i didn't think i was going to quote it but 
I uh, I want to say that Jonathan Blow uh, essentially said that he wanted this game to be about solving puzzles, and that was going to be like the central core of the game. Is like uh, the game is essentially going to be honest about what it's about and open about what it's about, and is hey, you're jumping into this pl- into this game to solve puzzles. This is a game about solving puzzles, and that's going to be the core uh, of what it is. Um, and to that, I think it did a good job. I think that makes the game honest uh, in the sense that like that like it doesn't have have a plot kind of distracting from what the core of the game is um and that might even be some like i don't know super um hipstery like artistic way to kind of view the game or that he might have like built the game with um but i think at the end of the day kind of at least for me it worked um because i think the zen nature of it and the kind of pure untainted nature of the witness uh and the way that it presents itself uh, is kind of relaxing and is pretty satisfying when you do solve a puzzle because it does feel like there's nothing sort of getting a, getting in the way between you and your experience, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree, and and, and to your point, it is it is puzzle game the game, yes, right? Exactly. That is that is no, what no, this game is. This game is game puzzles. Game. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's line game the game. But yeah, I mean, from from front to back, whether it be a, a narrative puzzle or a line puzzle or an environmental puzzle, um, it, it is puzzles throughout. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a scientific man to pass through a door. And whether the door be barn door or church door, it might be wiser that he should consent to be an ordinary man and walk in rather than wait till all the difficulties involved in a really scientific ingress are resolved. Arthur Eddington, 1927. So, to continue with more of the setup, uh, mechanically, all puzzles in The Witness are solved in the same way. A path is drawn on a grid. For a path to be a solution to a puzzle, it must satisfy a number of rules. The rules are usually simple. For example, in a grid with white and black squares, a path may be required to separate the different kinds of squares. And I talked about this earlier. The rules are taught to the player throughout the course of the game by the puzzles themselves. As such, uh, there's no text or dialogue directly explaining a, a puzzle's rules, um, which I, and once again, people know, people who listen to the podcast know that I get um, a lot of the information that I'm reading from Wikipedia, right? Um, playing the game, replaying the game, uh, the first puzzle you do solve, it does like command you to press X or whatever to like bring up the the display for the for the mm-hmm. uh, solving. So like that that's not necessarily what this is referring to, but it is like a uh, it does technically kind of tell you like what you're supposed to do in that situation. But for the most part, the tutorials are not um, uh, text or dialogue driven. You're learning the puzzles by solving puzzles. So while the rules uh, a path must satisfy can differ substantially across the game at least three rules apply to all puzzles uh paths must always contain uh, always begin from a round node end on a line segment with a rounded end uh, and avoid self intersection as such many of the game's puzzles can be classified as mazes the game has two modes of interaction. The first, a walking mode, uh, allows the player to move around and explore the island. The second, the path drawing mode, is the one the player uses to attempt to solve puzzles. This mode is distinguished from the former by a white border around the screen. In path drawing mode, the player's avatar is prevented from moving. It instead uh, allows the player to use their controls to trace the path through the puzzle's grid. The mode ends once the player solves the puzzle or cancels the mode. Normally, this mode is activated in front of a panel, moving the player's view uh, directly to the panel to solve it, but it can, it can also be activated at any other time. Nearly all, puzzle, all puzzles provided immediate feedback uh, if they have been solved correctly or not uh, through, the, through sound, sound effects or visual indication. Um, and I was actually like listening to an interview uh, with Jonathan Blow. I believe it was No Clip actually with Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, so shout out to No Clip. I highly recommend people go watch the No Clip documentary. Absolutely. Uh, on the witness because it's great. But I remember um, Jonathan Blow saying in that that he uh, essentially was like thinking about the idea of like feedback and uh, what the feeling is going to be like when you do solve a puzzle. Like, will there be fanfare and stuff like that? And essentially, he was like, uh, I want like. I want you to know when you solve a puzzle. And so like once you solve a puzzle, like the visual slash slash audio feedback is going to let you know uh, through whatever uh, sound effect he used there. Um, but uh, yeah, like there wasn't, there's not necessarily like balloons falling from the ceiling to like um, display that you've like solved a puzzle. You don't um, get XP. Yeah. You don't get XP. Oh. You don't get like a cutscene or anything, but you do when you solve a puzzle, you, uh, you, you know that you solved it through like the sound effects and all that stuff. 
um, the witness often plays with the player's expectations. For example, at a certain point in the game, uh, players will usually discover that not only are there panels in the game that are holding puzzles, but there are actual line puzzles in the environment of the island itself. And it's usually a crazy, crazy uh, discovery when you do discover it. How does this twist and similar ones affect how the player perceives and plays the game? Finn, I'm throwing this one at you. All right, so this this was one of those moments that completely changed the entirety of the game. Mm-hmm. You the fir- the first time you discover an environmental puzzle because you're never never led to it. It's usually completely by accident when you come across it. Yep. But yeah, it completely changes everything because suddenly anything can be a puzzle you're you're trained to look for the squares that's a puzzle and then suddenly anything with a circle and a line based on your positioning and your perception can become a puzzle and i I cannot tell you my it's like that meme where it's like galaxy brain you know Mm -hmm. when you when you make that because for me it was looking down from the mountain or a mountain a, a rock thing and i saw the uh, uh, circle pond and then a river yeah mm-hmm. and then there was like the one in the desert where you have to position yourself so that the sun glares off this metal disc and when this it, the glare is completely bright it becomes the starting point for a new puzzle and then suddenly everywhere you look you're you're now looking for two types of puzzles and the game increases its scope dramatically and just when you think you got a handle on it, the game throws you this curve in a way you were not expecting because everything's been turned upside down. Oh, yeah, exactly. And like it's it's crazy how I feel like the more you play the game, the more sensitive you become to uh, the environmental stuff, even like without first discovering it. Because uh, I think like when I when I first discovered my first environmental line puzzle, I was super stuck on whatever panel uh, I was trying to, or I was super stuck on trying to figure out like what the next panel I was supposed to solve was. Um, and it was like a, it was like a gardeny area. It was not the first garden. Uh, it was like an area with like stairs that were kind of like broken. Um, and I was like just stuck forever trying to figure out what the next thing I was supposed to do was, um, and how to get past that area. Um, and I was just like walking around, walking around trying to figure it out. And then legit, I like look at the stairs and I'm like, wait a second, uh, and essentially like through the broken stairs is a path. There's like a puzzle path that you can solve. And I did that and I was like, Oh my God. And then like the more and more you play, the more and more of them you discover. And it recontextualizes like all of what the game is, like what the point of the game is, what, like how you're supposed to view the environment you're in. It turns the, in, it turns the Island, uh, from just a, a space to explore and navigate in, uh, and try to find where the next puzzle is to then it turns the, it turns the environment itself into a puzzle. Um, to the point where like, I remember doing the hedge puzzle, uh, and, uh, hmm. the hedge puzzle is like one of my favorite ones. Cause it, it, it it's, it's pretty good. Um, I remember getting to the end of it cause it takes a while, uh, to kind of navigate through the whole maze and you like go up and you look down at the hedge puzzle. And once you realize like, Oh, this whole thing was a puzzle itself. Like that was like one of the first moments of being like, this game is incredible. Like this game is, is off the chain. Uh, Cass, do you remember like what your, th- th- this might be something you don't remember, but do you remember what the first like environmental puzzle you came across was in this game? I, I want to say it was in a lake and it was like a, a lily pad connected to like the reflection of the clouds. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was something crazy. I mean, the, cause the, they're all, they're all pretty crazy. They're all wild. And, and, you know, I completely echo everything you guys have said, like the, the power of this re- revelation, like I don't think can be overstated. I think it's one of the great reveals like in games. Yes, I agree. Um, and the fact that it occurs sort of in a self-directed pace, I think is really fascinating. Yeah. The fact that it sort of leans into the nature of the game, you know, you hear about stuff like the Tetris effect or or what happens when you play Guitar Hero for a long time that you sort of see those boards um, going and going and you know, this release month when I was playing The Witness like crazy and you sort of see those line puzzles around and then the game reinforces, hey, puzzles could appear anywhere. Uh, it's crazy. Man, it's, 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 it is crazy. It's world. Um, uh, when I was playing uh, earlier for this podcast, uh, as soon as I left that tutorial garden, there's one steering right at you uh, yes. where it's like on a lake or whatever. Um, and you like you can solve that one. And I was like, I can't believe like it took me playing this game 
for however long, right? Like 30 hours, something like that. Uh, just staring at these line puzzles over and over and over and over again uh, to kind of like ingrain that idea into me uh, and kind of see those in the environment. And that's like, that's like one of the big parts of the game is like recontextualizing like how you like just like see the world and see things. Because I swear to God, like after playing this game, I like started seeing puzzles in my real life and I was like, I'm going literally crazy because of this video game. Uh, it, it, I like I think it comes back to perspective yeah. and and the thought of, you know, the game, the game never explicitly tells you all of the puzzles will appear on the LCD panels. And yeah. once you realize like, hey, there are actually no limits. A puzzle could appear anywhere and it could look like anything or you may find the solution to a puzzle in a place you didn't expect. Exactly. Uh, oh, man. What yeah. a game. And uh, can I just say, and this is unrelated, but I don't know where this will this will fit in, but. This game was the first game that truly made me thankful that the PlayStation created a screenshot button. Oh, yeah. Because so many times you just need to take a snapshot of something because you need to have a memory of it way on the other side of the island or something. Because uh, you never know what's going to be a solution for something down the line. So many times you get into a secret room and there's just a solution of a puzzle there with no context. And then that's like the hexagonal grid code to unlock a new video in the uh, theater. Like, who knows? You never know what's what the game's going to throw at you. Oh, yeah. No, like 100 percent. And like even a newer game uh, like Mario Odyssey uh, has a similar thing where like there are uh, that game has like images that you can find that are hints to where you can find like a star or moon uh, in that game. Uh, in the environment and like you use the switches screenshot feature to screenshot that uh image uh and like you kind of had to figure out like okay where do you where do you find this thing but i like i i swear to god like they they it, they were inspired by the witness to do to do that because um yeah like the witness had me like busting out notebooks like i wish i could find my note my witness with notebook because it's just filled with uh what looks like the drawings of a madman um because it's just like a bunch of just lines and connect connections and like you turn it different ways and it looks looks like different things um but yeah no the witness w- w- um really uh uh i guess did have yeah like one of the great reveals in a video game uh through that because it changes the whole video game and it's not just like one of those right it's not like just like two of those that are in there like there's like another game that's inside this game that is just the environment environmental puzzles and solving those like they're all they're a whole collectible uh and they are everywhere and there's, um, there, there's entire uh collections of puzzles that combine the the lcd grid with the yeah. environment like there's yeah that whole section where you have to use the shadows of the trees mm-hmm. to yeah. show you the line or complete the circuit and uh, it's just man there's so many cool types of puzzles in this game that just completely blow your mind when you realize the trick yes exactly and even like aside from like the environmental puzzles where you're drawing the lines in the world even stuff like the um the shadow puzzles where uh you get to a point where you have to like draw on the panels like around the shadows like the tree shadows uh, on the panel and that's that's like the solution to that puzzle and so you had you have those whole row of puzzle row of puzzles that uh are super interesting and super um they're super cool because they integrate the environment uh, itself, like the island itself, into the puzzles that you're solving. Um, the game has a, does does a whole lot of that. Um, like one of my favorites is actually also like the apples on the tree one, where yep. you're p- tracing the tree, but like where the apple is on the tree is like the solution to the puzzle. Uh, stuff like that is just out of this world, um, and kind of showed why like this island needs to exist for this game to exist, um, which is really cool. So let's get into some more game facts. Uh, story behind the game's release. The Witness took seven years to complete. Uh, Blow attributes this long period to the expansion of the game's scope as he and his team continued to work on it. He opted against time and cost-saving solutions uh, that would have affected, affected his ambition for the game, such as con- condensing the game's scope or using uh, an off-the-shelf game engine. Instead, he put revenues from sales of Braid totaling around $4 million US dollars uh, as of April 2014 into de- development costs. Blow had to seek out additional capital in February 2015 after exhausting uh, the Braid revenues, but believed that regardless of the cost of extra development time, the debt would be justified in the in the long run. 
Final development costs uh, were estimated at just under six million U.S. dollars. While Blow considers The Witness to be an indie game due to the lack of funding or support from a major publisher, he also feels that the scope of the project by, by time and cost is closer uh, to what a AAA studio would produce, and that it represents a new type of game development in the industry. Um, which actually kind of, I think this is super interesting in terms of like how he kind of views this game uh, um, in the context of like what an indie game is versus what a AAA game is. Because uh, we, I just recorded an episode of indie piece on Hellblade, uh, which had a similar kind of thing where they describe that game as a uh, indie AAA game uh, or triple indie or something like that. I forget the exact terminology they use. Triple I maybe. Triple I, yeah. Yeah. Um, because like that game was made by a small studio, uh, independent from a from a big publisher or anything like that. Um, but the production value put into the game, uh, uh, I guess, kind of makes it come off as a triple A game. I don't know. How, I can't remember the exact way they uh, they phrased it, but essentially, it has tri- that triple A uh, production behind it. Um, and so to have Jonathan Blow kind of echo a similar thing, uh, not too similar, but somewhat similar thing about the witness, I think is super interesting. Some more tidbits. Uh, the design and layout of the island in The Witness has been nearly consistent since the since the start of the game's development, with a team working on populating the world with specific puzzles and detailing the landscape and other assets. Sam Makovic, uh, a writer for Ars Technica who had played the game or played a demo of the game in 2012 and again in 2015, noted that the island had remained familiar between these two sessions. One aspect of the game uh, game world is the use of power cables running across the island, connecting puzzle panels uh, to the mechanics they control. Blow found these to, uh, to help in the game, uh, to help in the initial parts of the game to provide extreme clarity of where the player was to go next, but discovered that this also made the game too much of a grind of repeating the same pattern. Over the course of the development, the power cables remained uh power cable aspects remained but the designers changed how easy they were to trace across the landscape as a means to guide the player uh, towards potential objectives last tidbit uh the art style was influenced by a simplification approach eliminating uh, eliminating enough details but keeping overall shapes to make objects clearly recognizable according to antonio uh and i'm not sure who to antonio is i think uh, i might <laughs> Did I take this from an article? I thought I took this from Wikipedia. Um, according to Antonio, they took inspiration for some location uh, from real world, real world photography from artwork uh, and from the environments in the games uh, Journey, Team Fortress 2, and Mirror's Edge. And I, I'm pretty sure Antonio actually worked on the game now that I think about it. Um, Not for nothing. It's a beautiful game. It is oh, a yeah. beautiful, beautiful game. Yeah. Um, and you can very well, you can very well see also like the Team Fortress influence, the Mirror's Edge influence from like a color pers- uh, perspective, and the in- influence from the journey from like how uh, uh, the uh, minimalism behind it. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really, really good looking game. But this wall is both everything and nothing for you, who confront as if you were both all things and nothing at all. Dwell inside that high wall, which no natural ability can scale by its own power. Nicholas of Cusa, 1453. So, uh, before uh, we record the podcast, I usually ask uh, the guests, why do we believe uh, this game is special? Um, Matt, uh, you said that uh, uh, for you it's the rush of accomplishment. Do you want to dive into that further? Yeah, um, I mean, I've touched on it throughout this before but there's it's the same way that people respond so viscerally to the dark souls franchise and stuff when something is difficult the rush of accomplishment that feeling you get when you finally have that aha moment uh is is really tough to describe but it's really powerful and in puzzle games that's especially important it doesn't quite happen in a game like Tetris or Luminez, like tradition, what other people might think of as puzzle games, because those are more Twitch oriented. Mm-hmm. This is just, it's a, I'm also a big fan of the Professor Layton series and similar kind of puzzles where it's just, it's you and the logic of the puzzle and it, you take as much time as you need. And then when you finally, it clicks in your mind, it's just this wonderful feeling and it just continues and builds upon itself because one uh, epiphany leads to another, leads mm-hmm. to another. And it's just this until you get into this kind of zone where it's just this constant 
success after success. And then even when you get stumped and you stall, eventually you will overcome it because all the information you need is there. Nothing, yeah. nothing is cheap. Like it doesn't try and trick you with anything. Once you learn the rules of the puzzle type, those rules are universal across all other puzzle types. They may get added upon each other and combined and, and presented to you in different ways. But at no point does learning that you have to separate the white from the black dots um, change. It's always going to be the case. Yeah. And I really love that about the game. There's just so much uh, wonderful, just euphoric serotonin releases in your brain going, hell yeah, I finally finished oh, yeah. that puzzle that took an hour to beat. Yeah, like you mm-hmm. feel like a genius. You do. When you, you especially when you complete like a do. hard puzzle. Exactly. Yeah, like it's it's a real good feeling. And I remember when the game first came out, there being a discussion about like, uh strategy guides and like looking up a solution online when when you're like really stuck and like people uh especially people who played it uh kind of reiterated like hey like don't look up the solution to puzzles because this kind of feeds into the element that i'm bringing that I, bringing that i uh, believe makes this game special uh which you also said that w- was going to be yours um was like the element of uh the ga- how the game kind of teaches you its language um and like if you look up a strategy guide or if you're not if you don't play the game the way it kind of wants you to play it then it kind of ruins the rest of the game for you like in a game that is all about its puzzles and like we said earlier like this is a game about solving puzzles it's not really about anything else looking up solution kind of takes that away from you right like the you're not getting xp you're not getting like you're not even getting that much fanfare right like the joy of uh progressing in the game is the jo- is the joy of knowing that you conquered this thing you conquered this puzzle like this mental blockade that was just there and you can you can get through earlier um and you've also grasped this concept right yes. if, if you look something up and it says yeah this is how you beat this puzzle okay great you got to the next one but you don't understand how yeah it's just you're just gonna this be... is not the only time you're gonna see that exactly yep and to like it to speak to like how the game kind of teaches you its language right like there is so much depth uh, into what the puzzles of this game are and like the rules behind them and how you're supposed to like perceive like perceive the world but then also like learn like okay cool this is what a white square versus a black square means on a puzzle panel okay cool oh cool this is a different kind of puzzle where i'm solving for shadows okay cool okay cool now this is a different kind of puzzle that is um all about symmetric uh or symmetry uh and and um kind of uh, trying to navigate two mazes at the same time okay cool mm-hmm. this is this this uh puzzle over here is all about colors and understanding like well, i can't remember i can't remember what the solution to the puzzle to the color puzzles were but i remember it being a thing <laughs> and i remember just being like super frustrated with like how do i solve these puzzles are these color puzzles right um and there are a bunch of different like essentially every single area has a different portion of the language that you are learning and you're solving and you're understanding and it ingrains it uh into you at the point to where uh when you get to the part where uh in the game where like multiple of those elements are showing up at the same time and you're having to account for multiple things right it is almost like writing a sentence and it's almost like um being able to put um uh put different types of verbs and nouns and conjugations together like it is very like it it is very analogous to like me in french class like understanding like how to conjugate verbs and how to form, uh, put together a sentence and like the basic knowledge you need to have in order to exist in this language um uh the witness like goes far and beyond into giving you that base foundation and then uh layering a bit on uh over and over and over again until it's, it's able to like throw at you a puzzle which if you were to give like some of the advanced puzzles in the witness to like just a regular person like there's nothing they could do like you could Mm -hmm. like give them like okay you have a week you can't like go back and solve any of the other puzzles you have a week to solve just this puzzle and i i don't think people would be able to do it because it'd be virtually unbeatable yes because like it it is almost like giving a french like just a french um um sentence to somebody who doesn't speak french and being like okay what is the sentence and like no matter how long you give them they're not gonna be able to translate that sentence because like they just they don't have the knowledge that is needed um and that kind of feeds back into the whole strategy guide thing or looking up solutions thing where it's like if you're not learning the language then the at, at a certain point the game is just gonna be unplayable for you um and so learning the language in the witness is kind of what it's all about um and it, it is definitely the element by by the time i got uh into like the volcano area in the witness i was 
Uh, I mean, by the time I, I, I put the controller down, I was just like, I can't believe how much, uh, like how much mental space, uh, uh, that <laughs> these puzzle solutions and puzzle like language is like occupying in my mind because I just learned so much, uh, um, from this game. It's all useless knowledge in the real world, but you know, it, I still get the satisfa- satisfaction of being able to conquer that thing. Um, Cass, uh, you gave the element uh, of the game's deceptive depth. Uh, do you want to go into that? Yeah. So, I, you know, the game presents itself and as there are these LCD panels with line puzzles on them, and it's essentially a maze. You start at the start, you go to the end, there you go. And then it slowly, you know, sort of as we've talked about, it starts to layer things on. But I think even beyond that, that first revelation of hey, there may be information about this line puzzle that isn't on the LCD panel. Mm. And, you know, maybe it's visual. Maybe it's the apple in the orchard that tells me, okay, this is the branch that I need to navigate to on my LCD panel. Or maybe it's the shadow on the tree that says, okay, either follow these shadows or avoid these shadows. And then, so now you're sort of paying attention to the environment around these panels. And then it starts introducing auditory clues, right? Okay, damn, now I have to listen for stuff because that may be a solution to the puzzle. Um, And now I'm walking the mazes, and so I have to take note of where I'm walking. And I have to take note of the sounds that I'm making as I'm walking. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like they extracted every possible puzzle type from this concept. Like, this is a dry sponge at this point. and I think that, that is so impressive because it starts so, so simple and it gets so complicated. You layer on all of these environmental concepts. And then to your point about the language, you know, OK, well, I have black and white squares. I have black and white stars. Yeah, I have some pink stars. I have some dots on the line. And those mean different things than dots in between the lines. It's like, yep, it it, it is surprisingly complex for a game that I still think is appropriate to say, yeah, it's a line puzzle game. Yeah, like it has more it has like it's more complex than like games that I think pre- present themselves as complicated. If, if that makes I sense, agree. like I think of a game like um I don't know man like Nier Automata, which uh Nier Automata is like one of my favorite games I've ever played. Right, like that game presents itself as like uh having uh super unique depth and super like a lot of like narrative uh a, comp- a lot of complicated stuff going on in the narrative and depth and layers and all that stuff. Right, like. Even a, even a game like that, like if I look at it in comparison to The Witness, like I look at Nier Automata being like, man, like this game, like look, this game has so much stuff going on. It's about uh, it's about morality and it's about uh, the ph- philosophy of what it means to be human and all this stuff. And I look at The Witness and I'm like, okay, cool line puzzles. But then like you get into The Witness and the things that The Witness asks you to do sometimes, uh, like I feel like if you, like if you like try to explain it to somebody who might not know what The Witness is, they'll be like, really? Like that game wants you to do what? Like you're over here like recording audio on your phone and trying to figure out how to solve this puzzle through that, like. You're over here in Photoshop trying to, like, rotate uh, tr- rotate images and recolor them to understand, like, what exactly you're supposed to do. Like, it, it's, it's like, deceptive is the perfect way to put it. Like, it is very deceptive in its depth. And once you get into that depth, it is mind-boggling. Uh, the fact that they're able to pull uh, pull that stuff off um, is really good because of it. Awesome. Uh, let's get into the final segment, uh, which is categories. Uh, this is a recurring segment. Uh, each episode, I essentially ask the same questions. I'm starting to switch up the questions a tad bit, uh, because I'm I'm kind of learning like what the right questions to ask are. Um, and so, uh, the first category is the indie factor, um, which is, does this game capture the spirit of the indie game, uh, of, sorry, does this game capture the spirit of indie game dev? I'm actually going to, uh, switch this question up a tad bit and say, what does this game do to capture the spirit of indie game dev? Because I feel like all the games I've talked about in this podcast so far, the answer is yes, they do capture the spirit of indie game dev. Um, but for you guys, what does the game do to capture that spirit? Finn, I'm going to throw this at you. Are we just talking about like the spirit of indie game development in general or the actual indie game dev of Jonathan Blow? Uh, in general, but it can like go into like uh, Jonathan Blow specifically if we're like knowledgeable about like kind of his philosophy and stuff like that. I mean, I'm gonna go with yes. I think it does because for me, indie gaming is always about people making the types of games that AAA developers would never fund or, or greenlight. Mm-hmm. And The Witness is 100 percent a game that might have been made for the PC in the 90s, but 
would never have existed in 2016 if it wasn't for someone making it themselves. If they were trying to get uh, AAA publishing to fund it, we would never have The Witness. And that's why I love the indie game genre and the entire indie game industry is it gives us all these kind of genres and games that have died off in popularity, but it lets them live on and in some cases become better than they ever have been. Mm, That's real good. Cass, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think it's twofold. I, I agree that conceptually, you know, it 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 captures the spirit of, of indie game dev just from a concept standpoint. This is a line puzzle game and we're going to make it with with, you know, a higher than uh, a sort of whatever Steam release indie. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're putting significant production cost into this. So I think that's part of it. And I think that the willingness to be OK that there's no direct narrative and the sort of way that they pull their narrative out. You know, there are multiple rooms in the game that are kind of unexplained videos, right? Oh, here's a clip from uh, from this old movie, and here's just this guy talking philosophy for, like, a long time, a ridiculously yeah. long time. He's on that video screen. And I think I think that's sort of brave, and, like, that's... I think those are decisions that would not exist in an Activision published game or an EA published game or something like that. Mm. Next category uh, is called Successful Successor. Can this game get a sequel that lives up to it? Um, I'm going to go no. I no. I think maybe it's, it's it might be the genre, it might be the concept, but I think this is a rare example of a game that a follow-up would probably dilute what makes it special. Mm-hmm. Because so much of this game was about the initial reveals and discovering these secrets on your own and sure we could get a another great witness game on another island with another genre of puzzle that's not line puzzles but i feel like we don't need one if one could come out and be great i'd be thrilled but end of the day this was such a complete experience that i don't find myself going boy i really hope we get a witness too it's more i can't wait to see what jonathan blow does next yeah no, I agree because I'm like in my head. I think like, what does a witness two even look like? The witness harder. Yeah, like the witness, the lost levels. Right. You know, like, hmm. and I don't even know how you. I don't even know how you make the witness harder <laughs> when you get to like some of those like last levels, like some of those um, uh, which call it like I forget what they're called, but like the extra extra challenges or whatever they are. The obelisk um, stuff, or the, yeah, yeah, or the um, isn't there like a, an an extra area you kind of go to? Oh, the gauntlet. The gauntlet, yes. Nope, like, still haven't even done that myself. From what I've heard about the gauntlet, it seems out of this world, and I couldn't imagine like them like kind of going further and beyond what the difficulty of the the witness is, because it, it seems like they ask everything of you. Like they they don't like leave any stone unturned, um, and if they do, there's a puzzle behind it. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's not much further you you can go uh, with some of the concepts uh, that that they leave open. Cassidy, what do you think? I agree. You know, if we're talking strictly The Witness 2, uh, please don't do it. Don't do it, John. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the one way that I could see this sort of working is in the sense of a spiritual successor. You know, I think I think if they keep the core of The Witness, which to me is that reveal, that moment that changes all of the rules of the game mm-hmm. and really makes you rethink what you've experienced, I could see... Well, I could definitely see that working in another concept for a game, and I could see them sort of taking that as like, okay, here's our core statement for our next game. What do we want to do with that from here? Um, and so I could see a successor working in that way, uh, but I sure hope it's not in this universe, and I sure hope it's not line puzzles mm. again. The next category is called play of the game. Uh, does this game have a most important moment? Usually for this category, I would actually ask like, um, what is this game's most important moment? And I'll list like options um, for this game, even especially. It's kind of hard to list options for a moment because once again, it's not really a, a narrative-based game. Um, so yeah, I'll ask like, does this game have a most important moment? What do you guys think? Cass, you want to go first? I, th- I think it's that first environmental puzzle. Yep, you that's find. my answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, I wish I had something more interesting to say, but like that no, is that that's... is such an earth shattering, like paradigm shifting moment. Yeah, that's that's the game changer moment right there. I think the only other thing is when you realize after all the lasers that the mountain itself isn't a mountain. It opens up and it's, oh, yeah. it's hollow inside and the whole thing is in it. That's the only other moment where you're like everything you thought about was already wrong. For sure. 
Um, and like, even when I started to write down options for like what the play of the game could be, like I came up with like, oh yeah, the first environmental puzzle. And then I kept thinking, I was like, no, yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> like that's the one. I can't think of any <laughs> other ones. Um, maybe like when you beat the game, but I haven't even beat the game, so I don't even know if that how, how good that feels. It could be a hollow victory. <laughs> um, the last category uh, we have uh, is called masterpiece. Doesn't mean perfect. Uh, if you could change one thing about this game, what would it be, Cass? I'm gonna start with you. You know, it's it's not a very big gripe, but it exists. I need a faster boat. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Oh yeah. That's the boat point. that circumnavigates the island uh, a little bit faster would be great. Yeah. It's probably they probably made it so slow because like there are puzzles that you're solving, like environmental yes. puzzles that you're solving as the boat is going, where you need to like drag the well, that's, um, yeah. the line across. But that's why they have uh, speed options on the boat. Yeah, that is true. Actually. But there, there should that be turbo just option. a turbo. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. Uh, Finn, what about you? If there's something that you could change about the game, what would it be? A way to easier, more easily track what you've already done. Because there's like some like 600 plus puzzles overall in this game, and there there's a really convoluted method of doing it, and you shouldn't have to load up your game save and look at the number next to it. Yeah, and even then, it doesn't tell you like out of how much, you know, like that's true. And 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 maybe there are ways to tell where the puzzles you haven't done are, but it's not a necessary thing. But as someone who likes to uh, quote unquote 100 percent and complete his games having some kind of tracker that lets me more easily know what I've done versus what I need to do would have just helped the, my OCD. That makes, that makes sense. Um, and I, I think I'm with both of you guys there, like a better tracking system. I mean, tracking systems in all games, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like tracking stuff. I, we have a podcast, uh, called jump master, uh, which is all about apex legends and my, uh, complaint uh, every week whenever it comes up is, is I'm like I wish I could count how many wins I have in that game um, or like my total kills and all that stuff um, but yeah tracking that progress would be great and yeah a faster boat could, it could be really really <laughs> convenient um, but yeah guys that brings us to the end of this episode of course uh, this has been Indie Piece uh, and this has been all about The Witness um, you can follow my, my guests on Twitter uh, uh, Finn is on Twitter at Nola Nerdcast that is at n-o-l-a like new orleans louisiana nerd cast on twitter um and also follow uh super deformed games cast i believe the twitter for that is official sdgc that is, that, is correct that? awesome uh check them out because they are awesome awesome people um that is matthew finman or sorry matthew finman um also follow uh cassidy on twitter at sergeant cast uh check out awkward pause check out gone gold for that good good content uh, especially if you if you like comedy podcasts, I can't recommend Awkward Pause enough. Um, those guys are great. Uh, shout out to all of them, uh, except for Elmer. Uh, and yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Blessing Junior. You can follow OkiBeast on Twitter at OkiBeastNow. OkiBeast.com. If you want to check out more, we had to offer. We have the OkiBeast podcast. We have videos. We have articles. All that good stuff. Patreon.com slash OkiBeast if you want to support. Uh, and yeah, until next episode, I'll see you guys later.